welcome to the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. I am your host, Lupna, and I am joined today by my co-host, the amazing... Jill Edwards, personal brand disruptor in the house, as always, loving my sushi and can't wait to get started. Oh, <laughs> the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast is a weekly podcast where we give you insight into the personality of successful sushi-adoring entrepreneurs, showing you that success is all about having fun in and with your business without the hustle and the grounding. And today we've got the amazing, amazing, amazing Rebecca Bonington. Rebecca is the CEO and co-founder of Triceris. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Her two passions are people and business. She combines these two into the work she does to help business owners build their $10 million businesses. Her 10 steps to a 10 million business course can courses can all be found on www.triceris.com and they'll take your business from the spare room to the boardroom. She's also a wife, a mum, a yoga enthusiastic, dog owner, and my favorite lover of books, Rebecca. Welcome. Thank you very much. What an amazing intro. Thank you. I, I, I can't wait to hear more about you, Rebecca, much less our <laughs> listeners. I'm, just, I'm so, so intrigued already. And before we even get into the sushi, because you know that's the main bit, but before we get into the sushi, I've got to ask about the name of your company. What was the inspiration behind that, Tresaurus? Okay, so you pronounce it Tricress. Tricress. Oh, tri- oh. Yeah, that's okay. So three is a really auspicious number in many, many cultures and societies. And a triangle is the strongest shape. So three is quite powerful. And Cress comes from the word crescendo, which is growth. Mm. Plus, I have to say, it was available as a dot-com. Nobody else had trademarked it. And I went, right, that one's mine. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Okay. So how long ago did you start? And what was the inspiration behind? I mean, $10 million businesses. I love that. So how did it come about? So I've been working as an exec coach, leadership coach for 11 years now. And before that, I ran my own recruitment business. And what I had noticed was that the work I do with entrepreneurs and business owners, um, really, it makes a big difference. And I've been working face-to-face, one-to-one with them for a long time. But most small businesses can't afford to have business consultants on board. Mm. You know, we're, we're quite an expensive lot. We really are. Mm. Oh, so about two and a half years ago, I thought, well, why don't I just put all my content online or everything I work and use with businesses every day I'll put it onto a platform and people can access that so I thought right if I'm going to do that I'm going to do this properly and I'm actually going to create the world's most successful business consulting and coaching business because I like to think big in the house there is a disruptor in the house well yeah pretty much because business consulting is traditionally quite stuffy quite conservative with a small c and i thought entrepreneurs don't operate like that anymore entrepreneurs are out there they are you know they're cutting edge they're quite funky they're pretty 
brash, often quite rebellious. And the old business consulting model just doesn't fit at all. So I thought, right, I'm going to create an app that's going to have your business coach and consultant in your pocket so that you can have access to this great stuff that I know works, tried and tested 24-7. So the app is being built at the moment, but in the meantime, I'm working with business owners online, so coaching programs online and via Zoom, to really help. I'm on a mission to help as many business owners as I possibly can to grow their businesses. And if you think really big, and I chose $10 million because business owners think too small, okay? They think, oh, I just need to get to the first 100,000 and then I need to get to the next half a million and then I need to get to a million. No, 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 you've got to plan now from day one to get to the 10 million because the decisions you make today have a direct impact and the direction of your business. So don't make 100 grand, 500 grand decisions today, make $10 million decisions today, and your business ends up on the right track. <laughs> I knew you two would make a great match. I Honestly. knew it, I knew it, I knew it. For those of you that are listening to this, I'm looking at a girl that's going mad. <laughs> <laughs> right now on screen thinking you're speaking my language you're speaking oh my, my language oh my god it's no coincidence that we've both ended up in the same mentoring group either Rebecca because yeah. you are so speaking my language you know most people know me as the personal brand disruptor I run the disruptor club we're about to launch the disruptor Club experience because of exactly what you said you know entrepreneurs we just don't do that that way anymore. And we don't want to either. We also don't want to buy in to these archaic structures either. You know, we want to literally knock things down and do it our way. And yep. we can. And I love what you said about the decisions that you make today. The decisions you make for your $10 million business, or even if you want to call it 10 million pounds, you know, 10 yep. million in, we don't care. Just go for 10 million. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But the decisions that you make for those businesses today are what help you to build that business of tomorrow. And I just love it so much saying, and we're going to continue this conversation beyond the podcast. I just know we are. But, <laughs> do you know what? I just need to calm down. Lubna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know. I know. Believe me. I had a conversation with Rebecca weeks ago when I was on her podcast. So I can totally relate to that. And I, I love that because I think that is really important to pause at this moment. It's better for you as an entrepreneur and a small business owner to have an exponential mindset. I does it doesn't matter whether you reach the 10 million. That's not the point mm -hmm. of what Rebecca is sharing. The, the point is that you will make different decisions today yeah. because you've got that vision in the back of your mind than you would do if you are searching for the very first 10K month. Yeah. or 100k year and we yeah. want you in that mindset in that exponential mindset because we see a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners that are making decisions because they need their next 5k their yeah. next take yeah. and when they reach that they're thinking okay but i need the next level and they keep aspiring to next level never ever making a decision but what if i pretend to be that 10 million 
entrepreneur now today? Who do I need to be? How do I need to show up? Yeah. What language do I use? How does my week look like? What's my schedule? So I love that you share that, Rebecca. I am, with all of the excitement that's going on, I am going to go back to the core <laughs> of the podcast. Okay, go on then. And ask the $10 million question. Okay. What's your favorite sushi? Uh, I like, I don't know the names of the individual sushis. I like the little ones with the smoked salmon on top, with the salmon on top. Yeah. Um, And I particularly like wasabi. (gasps) I love wasabi. Um, Hold on a moment. So, Rebecca, so where are your parents from? Any of them from Jamaica or Barbados? <laughs> Seriously, nobody can think me. Are we twins? As they say in Scotland, as I'm as peely wally as they come, Gales. <laughs> Funny enough, my sister-in-law is Scottish. <laughs> I'm not even Scottish, I just live here. Oh, but, Dubna, oh. you're right. What I say to business owners is the juice is in the journey. So, you know, the fact that you're heading for that 10 million, the juice is actually what you do on the way. And do you know what the magic thing is? The magic thing is when you put in the structures and the systems that I talk to business owners about as though you're aiming for 10 million, it makes your business more valuable as you go along. Now, a lot of business owners don't understand how businesses are valued. That's right. all sort of in the early days of our journeys here and I don't know about any of you about whether you're thinking about exiting but one day you won't be running your business anymore whether that's because you've retired whether you want to hand it over to the next generation whether you want to sell it but most business owners don't realize that they don't have to have 10 million in revenues to sell it for 10 million because the magic is in how you build value into your business. How to do that, and that's why the juice is in the journey, you build a much stronger, more sustainable business that ends up being worth loads more money. You might only be making a million, a million and a half, two million in revenues, but if you build it in the right way and structure it in the right way, it could end up being valued at two, three, four times that. Okay, that's the magic. I love it. I love it. I love it. And we started on your favorite sushi. You said salmon and wasabi. We just got Gail again back up in excitement again because you're literally speaking her language. But if I was to ask you, is it a roll? Is it a hand roll? What type of sushi doesn't matter? It's the little block of rice with the just simple piece of salmon on top. The nigiri. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was called that. There you go. And then just a, a little smear of wasabi because you can't have too much. Otherwise, you literally rise water and you start sneezing and then everybody thinks you've got corona. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do not sneeze or cough in public. You, know, you can't, can you? Oh, it's hilarious. You can't even clear your throat. <laughs> in public, you know? Don't do it. So, no, no. Oh, you're so right. But yeah. Thank you for telling me what it's called, but that's my favorite. It's just simple. Yeah, yeah. And it's a great way to start with sushi. If you really never had sushi, then it's a great way to start with the nigiris because it's a little bowl of rice with some type of fish on it. Uh, When did you discover your love for sushi? (laughs) 
it was when was it there's a chain called yo sushi isn't there yeah and uh, when they open i think it was at an airport and i thought well i'll just try this and it turned out to be really nice but i had had sushi when i was about 23 and I'd visited Hong Kong and I was in this really fancy hotel, really, really like top-notch hotel. And they were serving me sushi, but it was like proper, proper, serious sushi. And I couldn't eat any of it because the flavors were so unusual to me, so different. So for years, I thought I didn't like sushi. But then when Yo Sushi opened up, it was much more accessible, probably altered to the western palette and that kind of thing i thought oh actually i do like sushi so that was quite nice that i thought it didn't but then i ended up liking it <laughs> oh i love that you're the first person who said he started on sushi and then thought oh it's not for me and then going back out to sushi again weird isn't it yeah, we've not had oh, yeah well every sushi journey is unique <laughs> It must be. That's so it, it absolutely is. Another question that I love to ask mm. is if you, Rebecca Bonington, were a sushi, mm. what would the ingredients be? Mm. That's a really good question. Can you count, here's a technical question, can you count ramen as sushi? You know, no, okay. <laughs> you can see, you see, Lumina and I are purists. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, I'm purists. I love ramen. Would you count me as, oh, oh, that's a really, okay, so probably, I feel like I'm on the psychiatrist's couch now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are talking personality in the form of sushi. I think people see, I'd be one of those rolls, okay, oh, with yes. seaweed around the side and then rice and then something in the middle. Yeah. Because I think people see one thing about me and then they discover something else about me and then they discover there's something else about me. I think that's probably how I think I can relate to that is that I've got a, an interesting core. <laughs> And what would that ingredient be in the core? Something sweet and sour at the same time. Okay. Mm. I'm going to get a little bit woo-woo here in that I'm a Libran, so I like balance in everything. So it would have to have a balance of sweet and sour. Ooh. Any soy sauce? Yeah, a little bit of soy sauce. Mm. I like that ginger stuff. Yeah. Well. yeah, I love yeah, yeah, I like that. So, but I wouldn't have wasabi on that because with soy sauce and the ginger stuff, wasabi is a little bit too much. Mm. Nice, mm -hmm. nice, very interesting. Now the same question, but for your business. Oh, that's interesting. Do you know, I am my business. You know, I work with associates and freelancers. So there's a team of us. I'm the creator of it. So it's the same. It has to be the same. And I think, I think once you get into the stuff I teach, then you understand the depth of it and the implications of it. And you think, crikey, this is worth its weight in gold you know it's transformational really but yeah you, you've got to work away from the outside in and, and also that. in baby steps everything in baby steps one of the first things i teach my clients is to slow down to speed up 
So you have to, and also if you implement too much in a business at once, the business freezes, you've got to take it step by step. And I show business owners where to begin because each business will need to begin at a slightly different place depending on where it is now. Mm. So I have a little toolkit called the Growth Accelerator Audit, which helps business owners answer a series of questions that helps them identify where they should begin. So some of the things are probably doing really well and they don't need to touch those for a while. Other things they might not be doing at all and you go, right, okay, it's probably where you need to start. Exactly. So Rebecca, you mentioned the Growth Accelerator Audit. Mm. I remember I used to be a Growth Accelerator coach. Oh, I say. Yes, I did. So they made me think, were you a Growth Accelerator coach? Because Well, it was a government-funded initiative for um, businesses, and because they've, they've been defunct for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. But at the time, that's very much what it was about, you know, identifying for businesses what was working or what wasn't working in their business at that time, and then we would fill the gaps for them. But one of the great things about having that approach, especially with what you do, and I love when you said the juice is in the journey, because for what I do, I often say the clue is in the who. You know, yeah, I thought this is so spooky. So <laughs> it's just so spooky. But um, when you take an entrepreneur and look at their business from that bird's eye perspective, and you're able to see where their gaps are that they that need filling in order to help them to grow, have mm-hmm. you ever come across anybody that perhaps you thought, gosh, this is going to be a lost case? Because I know that when I was doing growth acceleration as a growth accelerator coach, I used to think. There was some business I thought, I don't even know where to start. There's so much. Where on earth do you start? But we had a whole infrastructure around us to be able to help those businesses, to send them off to get the necessary funding, whatever. How do you do that with yourself, with it just being you? How, how do you help those lost cause that's what we'll call them for now, those lost cause businesses. Okay, the first thing to say is my dog is asleep in my office and he's having a dream right now. So if you hear a weird noise, it's my dog having a dream, okay? <laughs> right, so first, I think the clients, I don't think there's ever any such thing as a lost cause, okay? So I'm a huge Brilliant. believer that individuals have the resources within them they need to affect the change they want. Yes. As a coach, I've always maintained that what I have is a set of keys, okay? I present the keys to the business owner. They select the ones that they feel are right for them, and they use them in the way that are appropriate for them. It's up to them to pick them up and work with them, and I'm there to help guide support. I can't make any of them do anything. Mm. And you two know this. Your clients end up being quite self-selecting. Aren't they just? (laughs) You know, if they're not up for doing the work with you, they'll disappear. Mm. So if a client says no to me, I'm like, great, you weren't the right client for me because either you're not ready or you don't value what I do or, you know, whatever it is. I once had a client say to me, I told him my coaching hourly rate, and he was like, oh, that's a bit much. And he said, well, could you just halve? the time you spend and coach the two directors I went uh no <laughs> not really getting this are you what tins of beans we're doing here you know this is like serious impacting the whole future of your mm-hmm. business and if you want to do get 
two for the price of one, you're not the right client for me. So, that, you know, clients are self-selecting. Would you say, can anyone be an entrepreneur? Or asked in a different way, what are some of the traits that define an entrepreneur? So I'm going to prop coach, so I never answer a question properly. So, <laughs> well, we're all coaches, so just go ahead. So, um, do you know, I think, here's the thing. I think anybody can do it, but it's not right for everybody. Yeah. So anybody can do it, but it's not right for everybody. No. Absolutely. No. You have to be able to live with risk, uncertainty, and you have to be comfortable with that. Mm. You have to be comfortable with, you know, I call getting a monthly salary the magic money that appears in your bank account every month. That is mm. magic money, okay? When you're employed, you're so disconnected from how that money is made. Yeah, exactly. That it is magic money. I think for me, my grounding, my earliest experiences was with uh, recruitment with a very low basic and high commission rate. So I got used to very quickly understanding that I get paid accord, exactly according to the effort I put in. Mm. And I like that, but not everybody likes that. Yeah. And, you know, I was on a permanent recruitment desk. So every month you started at zero, you started again every single month. You had things that were carried over and stuff, but you basically, literally on the board, it went to zero at the beginning of the month. And that would be some people's worst nightmare, and they wouldn't be able to function properly as a human being. <laughs> That's so true. And, and you've got to have a different kind of skin to do that. You know, I started off very much like you in double glazing sales I mean, great grounding exactly you want to make some money you go to double glazing you want security that's not the place <laughs> but you know and again recruitment classified advertising yeah. national newspapers they're the kind of thing that really whet your appetite for that desire to want more to do more yeah. but that's not for everybody no. it certainly isn't and in entrepreneurship that's just amplified even more yeah, it really is. You know, so at the beginning of lockdown, because I did deliver face to face, everything bar one client cancelled. Yeah. So I said to my husband, I can't contribute to the joint account. So we're going to have to do something. But that for me is a huge motivator to go, right, I'm going to have to change my business model. Yeah. So that's what you do. Now, luckily, I'd already worked out that online was the way to go. And luckily, I had a suite of 19 courses already sitting there. I just wasn't selling them in the right way. So I just had to learn how to sell them in the right way. But, you know, it, I like that. That mm. gets me up out of bed in the morning. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the exciting part. Yeah. Really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I know when I grow Tricress to where I want to get it to, once it's working and it's got there, I'll sell it because I'll be bored and yeah. I want to go on to whatever's next. So yeah, that's what gets me out of bed. And not everybody has that kind of personality and that's great. And we need people who want to be employed and who want that security. Absolutely. Because the world would just probably fall apart if it was just entrepreneurs. It would be a bit messy. Exactly. <laughs> a bit like, can you imagine if the only thing we had to eat was sushi? 
That's I'm, right. I'm, <laughs> I absolutely love it. And I would probably be okay with that. But there'll be some people who would end up malnourished because they just can't. And it's, it's all yeah. vegans for a start. <laughs> exactly. What are they going to do? So I totally get that. It's not for everybody. It really isn't entrepreneurship. And what we try to do here with the Entrepreneur Sushi Club is to show those of us that do get it, those of us that are into it, is that there's another way. And the other way is to be yourself. Just yeah. be yourself and find like-minded people, whether sushi's your thing or rollerblading, doesn't matter what your thing is, whatever it is, there'll be somebody else who really gets it and really gets you. Yeah. And then together you can grow. You know, you can collaborate, brainstorm. There's so many opportunities there to grow, you know, different types of businesses once you've got the right tribe around you. Yeah, and you know, I think that's one of the lovely things about lockdown is that people have been forced to reach out beyond their immediate communities, their mm. immediate geography. And, you know, the connections I've made since March have just been fantastic. I mean, you, yeah. Gail, people in South Africa, people in the States, people in yeah. India, somebody in Bolivia I was talking to the other week, Italy. And, you know, if I'd have been busy having coffees in Edinburgh or London, I wouldn't have done any of that. Exactly. Um, so I think there's an upside to this. And I think it's accelerated that global connectivity. So maybe one day we'll actually have sushi in Japan. Ooh. Oh my God. You're so full of these bumpy moments, Rebecca. <laughs> really? And can I, but, hey, Gail calls me the crazy idea lady. Crazy idea lady. Uh, because I come up with the most craziest thing, this podcast being one of them. But since then have been going wild on the crazy ideas. But what I loved about what you shared, Rebecca, is that it starts with who are you? Do you really know yourself to be able to determine what's your appetite to risk what's your appetite to being uncomfortable? I mean, I know that I'm someone who loves challenges. Every time someone says, I don't think this will work. I'm like, really? Yeah, I'm willing to give it a try. <laughs> I say, let's try, let's check let's it out. Let's give it a try. But I know having been employed and being surrounded by colleagues who are like, no, 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 no. If it's not a sure thing, we're not doing it. And I'm like, as long as you know that about yourself, it's great. Yes. So who are you? Do you know your personality? Do you know what you value? Do you know what drives you? Now, I'm driven by uncertainty. I love everything that I don't know. The second part is, is it for you entrepreneurship? Is it an environment where you can thrive, where you can be the right person and where you can amplify your strengths and your gifts even more? And what we've seen, and I know that Gail and I have had this conversation many times is what we see happening now because of the lockdown is a lot of people are starting in mm -hmm. entrepreneurship uh -huh. from us looking from the outside in. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> it's not for you. <laughs> not for you. We know people that are an entrepreneur right now that are still struggling and we've been seeing them struggle for 18 months. Mm -hmm. And all we're thinking you better just stop on this entrepreneurial journey because it's not for you. I really love in this episode, we can emphasize that because a lot of people are really looking and I know that 
some of the messages here in the Netherlands, for example, is yeah, yeah, but you got to become an entrepreneur. This is the future. Jobs are not secure. So you better learn to make money in different ways. And that is entrepreneurship. And I'm thinking but you're sending a very big group of people down a path that's not for them. That makes any Shape sense. slightly between entrepreneurship and being a business owner. Exactly. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They're totally yeah. different. Okay, the, let's explore that. Yeah. So that you can be a business owner. So my husband is a business owner. Okay. He's a very good business owner and he runs a really good, profitable, successful business. He doesn't have these big visions or crazy ideas. So I wouldn't call him an entrepreneur. He's mm. a business owner and he has built very steadily, very, very well, a really great business mm. that luckily paid our mortgage at the beginning of lockdown. Yeah. And there's a whole world of difference. And I think, you know, that I speak to the more entrepreneurially minded mm. business owners. Same. I don't speak to those people who are really happy with year-on-year -year organic growth and there is nothing and again there's no judgment there's nothing wrong with that there's everything right with that we need those business owners absolutely and there's a whole raft of business owners who may go down say for example the franchise route as well you know the business is done for them and they buy into a franchise and that's a great way to get into business as well so i think there's a whole world of difference between entrepreneurship and being a business owner absolutely everything you've said because I'm very entrepreneurial mm. I would classify myself as an entrepreneur because like yourself like you just distinguished the visions the ideas the need to diversify you know I love variety mm. I love having my fingers in different pies you know and as I do with several business ventures that literally I'm her fingers in a pie <laughs> always I love baking you see so that's one of my that's right. Okay. But uh, <laughs> whereas I wouldn't say that I was a particularly great business owner, um, though, I, though I have a business, mm -hmm. you know, I really flourish in the entrepreneurial space of my business. I really flourish in helping other entrepreneurs and business owners to grow their business to an exponential kind of growth and to really expand their vision in relation to their impact and their influence. But when it comes to me being a business owner myself and all the stuff that's involved, it's like, oh, can someone else do this bit? You know, so I'm so glad that we've had the opportunity to distinguish between a business owner and an entrepreneur because so many people think that because they're running their business, whatever their business is, that automatically classifies them as an entrepreneur. It doesn't. And I'm so glad that having this discussion lets them off the hook. Yeah. Let's them know you're okay. You're okay doing what you're doing in the yeah. way that you're doing it because we need you. The economy needs you. Absolutely. You yeah. know, just like the economy needs me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it needs employees. Yeah. It, it needs a mix, doesn't it? It's coming back Absolutely. to that balance. Yeah. Coming back to it's about knowing the space that you occupy and being comfortable occupying that space yeah 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 absolutely and the comfort in that you know because i would hate to think people going oh i should be doing this or i should be doing that no 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 it's like you carve your own path and, and actually that's the beautiful thing about running your own business is you get to decide what your business looks like feels like and sounds like yep. and again a lot of business owners 
need reminding of that, I think. Mm -hmm. It's your business. You design it the way you want it to run and go so that it fits in with your personal life, your family life, whatever it happens to be. You don't have to do it this way just because that's what everybody else in that sector is doing. Oh, I love that you reached to that point. You do it. You design it your own way. And that's lovely. And so my sort of 10 steps to $10 million business is about, well, what, what do you actually want? You know, what do you want? Oh, mm. have anything you want because it's your business. You get to design it. You get to say what happens and where it goes and how much you work and how much you don't work. And what you have to understand is once you've set your mind on something, you've then got to decide what you're going to give up to get there. Yes. Because you can't have everything, right? What are you going to give up to get there? Yes. Did you hear that, listeners? What are you going to give up to get there? Once you've decided what it is that you want, where you're going, what are you going to give up to get there? Another bumpy moment. Yeah, it is. And it's a hard conversation with Mm. yourself. You know, so... When I'm traveling, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm listening to recorded webinars, I'm listening to coaching sessions. I'm not listening to commercial radio or an audio. If it's an audio book, it's a business audio book. Yes. So I don't, yeah, I don't work weekends, I don't work stupid hours, I've got a family, my family is really important to me. But there are things that I give up in order to get to where I want to be. And I think you have to understand that there will be sacrifices and you've got to decide what you're prepared to let go of in order to get there. That's really profound because one of the things that I see happening a lot with entrepreneurs is that they don't know what they want Mm -hmm. and they're scared shitless to design that path because they'd rather have someone to tell them, this is your path. This is what you need to do on a day-to-day basis. And I think that this connects beautifully to where we started entrepreneurship is being very comfortable with uncertainty being willing to know yourself and being willing to make the decisions based on your life's vision and how your business is tied to that life's vision and if you can't do that if you have trouble doing that then you might want to think about if this is the path for you yeah yeah, definitely. Yeah. And no. equally, but equally, you could be sitting there thinking that you're quite, you know, secure, you know, doing the job, you know, enjoying this magic money. And that's great. However, you might also be thinking, hmm, there's a little part of me that wants to do more, that mm-hmm. wants to explore what more I can do. What is that potential? Yeah. And yeah. If that's an entrepreneurial spirit. And it's actually okay to have an entrepreneurial spirit as an employee as well, because you can actually be an entrepreneurial employee. It's just about knowing that, as I said before, the clue is in the who. It's about knowing that and knowing how to leverage that so that you are the best version. You are the most successful person that you can be. And that you're happy. Yeah. And talk about being, I think they call it entrepreneurship, don't they? When you're an entrepreneur. Here's a biggie, all right? So corporates are going to have to embrace 
the people who are useless at following instructions and directions if they have a chance of changing the world okay oh absolutely and that means they have to embrace the risk takers the entrepreneurial thinkers within the business because the way corporate structures are set up is that they actually squeeze the entrepreneurial lifeblood out of people but don't they just (laughs) And, and i understand they need processes and structures because they're so big i totally get that but their challenge now in the 21st century is to say how do we embrace that uncertainty how do we hang out in the unknown and how do we encourage those people within our ranks who actually have the ideas and get them to come forward because at the moment they're being run by a spreadsheet that's right it's awful you don't get innovation by looking at a spreadsheet absolutely not and you know it reminds me many 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 years ago when i am um, when i first started well not so much when i first started i was probably about midway through so i've been running my business now this is my 21st year congratulations well done i know i can't believe i've even made it. <laughs> on earth have i got here but uh, back in the days when i was still doing a lot of corporate work a lot of corporate and i remember there was this course that corporates used to run called financial managers for non-financial managers oh yeah yeah i think we've all been on one of those haven't I think we? we've all been on that course haven't we exactly we've all been on that course it was, and i and i that's how i used to pitch them i used to pitch them and say you know rather than sending all of your employees on this financial managers for non-financial managers why don't we do this course which i used to call shove it <laughs> it was kind of like the antithesis of that you know which was all about people knowing what strategy they need to what's their personal strategy how can they be their true selves how can they overcome those challenges of being asked to go on a course like that when you know it's not for you you know sharing their vision and values all that kind of stuff and it did very well because and the reason why that course did so well is because the employees the team members themselves called for it Mm, yeah yeah they were the ones who were calling for it not so much the managers or the senior leadership team it was the team members they were like we they were asked you know what we're going to do for our team building day are we going to go to you know monkey island or wherever it is you know they were like well actually a friend of mine in another company did this course yeah and it worked really well for them can we not do that so i got a lot of business for that course by referral i like the name of that i think that's great Well, I always say it's the most polite thing you can say at work when they get in your nerves. <laughs> <laughs> well, I resonate with that because I was that intrapreneur. Mm-hmm. I was that employee within a large organization that loved the risk, had mm-hmm. a big uh, challenge with getting her managers on board. And I, I got it. I got there. Mm-hmm. I got to a place where managers was like, okay, we're not going to be able to stop her. So we better not even try. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's Move just let her go with it. I mean, the clients are happy. She's doing things that people are thinking, oh my God, you've just done it. And why would we want to stop someone? Who has happy clients? Who has clients to call her directly instead of calling a manager to tell them, I want help. If I think back, then the types of courses or events that I went to in that period were all in alignment with that entrepreneurship, innovation, introducing that type. And, and I've done the craziest things 
while employed, people really thought, okay, that will never work. You'll never get permission. I'm like, I'm not asking for permission. I'm doing this, whether they like it or not. Yeah. Proceed um, until apprehended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Just mean, it. it's, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission uh, in my yeah, book. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, I've never had to do because most of them actually admired me because they were like, if she can pull it off, then she just disrupted the way we're thinking at this moment because we held ourselves back thinking it will never work. And I'm the one like, I don't know if it's going to work. Let's give it a try. You never know. What if it does work? We've got a new avenue. We've got an innovative product that we can provide our clients with. How cool was that? So I've done a couple of crazy things that people are like, okay, really? That worked? So I think it's really important. So Rebecca, as we wrap up our conversation here, my question would be, if you look back to the last five months, Mm -hmm. what is one of the moments you are most proud of? Oh, oh, that's a really good question. I think it was the brave decision to invest in a digital marketing course that Gail knows all about, as do you, Lubna. And it was a fairly sizable investment Mm. and it felt like a big leap of faith in terms of what I've learned so far it's paid off I'm about to launch a big campaign based on what I've learned so yeah it was scary when there's income coming in but not in the volumes it used to come in so to make that chunky investment was like right okay put on your big girl pants here Rebecca Mm and go for it okay let's make a leap of faith into the future it's 14th of august 2021 and we have you back on the entrepreneur sushi club podcast what are we celebrating (laughs) with you we are celebrating my first million in revenues yes yes absolutely doing with a really clear blueprint as to how to get to five million the following year. Fantastic. We're celebrating. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard it here. Rebecca Bonnington committing to making one million in revenue in the next 12 months. And she will be back a year from now. We will be having her back on the podcast, celebrating that one million with her. So Rebecca, if someone's listening and thinking, oh my God, I want to talk to this 10 million business lady, how can (laughs) they get in touch with you? Okay, so they can email me directly, Rebecca, one B and two C's, at Tricrest, which is T-R-I-C-R-E-S dot com. And you'll find me. You can search Rebecca Bonnington on LinkedIn. There aren't many of us. And you'll find me. So track me down. Let's go hunting, Rebecca. Yes. Go hunting. And uh, if you're listening now and thinking, oh, that went really fast, we'll make sure we'll add her email address and social media handles in the description with this episode. So, Gail, as we wrap up, what do you want to leave us with? <sighs> Gosh, what do I want to leave you with? I, do you know, I just want to say thank you to Rebecca. This has been such an interesting, funny, amazing, inspiring, honestly... I met my twin. (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. And Rebecca, I'm looking forward because I just know, you know, you just know when you know. 
I just know that over the course of time that we're going to be able to build something a bit more. So hey, that would be amazing. Oh yes. Oh yes. That would be amazing. Thank you. Well, I've had a blast. Thank you, ladies. What a wonderful experience. I really, really enjoyed myself. Thank you. Well, we were blessed to have you on our episode. And for you, thank you for listening to another episode of the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. We would love to know what has been your biggest takeaway from the conversation we've had with Rebecca. Do take a moment and share this with us in our Facebook group, the Entrepreneur Sushi Club. You will find the link to this group in the description with this episode. And if you know someone who will benefit from listening to this episode, please do share it with them because the more people that listen to this message, the better. For now, have an amazing time, have fun, and we will see you on the next episode. 